day three of the March Marathon. Tomorrow's the start of the Big East Tournament. I'm going to be breaking down my predictions for the entire bracket later on. Uh, but joining me to provide his thoughts on the upcoming Big East Tournament and, of course, uh, some of the other news from around the conference, including the announcement of this year's All-Big East teams, as well as um, the news surrounding uh, Creighton with Greg McDermott now officially being reinstated. Uh, he is the founder of JustCollegeBasketball.com, as well as a few other sites. Um, he's a Wooden Award voter. Um, uh, he definitely knows this stuff. Uh, Steve Heigl. Uh, Steve, uh, glad to get you inside the igloo, man. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. So, obviously, um, the big headline is uh, it was just announced uh, on Monday that uh, Greg McDermott was going to be reinstated in time for the Big East tournament. Um, you know, some people thought he wouldn't be back maybe until the NCAA tournament, uh, but they get him back uh, sooner rather than later. And I, I really believe that uh, with Creighton finally, you know, their players finally addressing uh, what happened a couple weeks, um, a little over a week ago uh, publicly for the first time, and also being able to get a win uh, over Butler to get their confidence back up. I think this is ultimately a good sign uh, for this Creighton team and, you know, something to get their minds right again as as they go into what is always a difficult week um, entering the Big East tournament. Yeah, I agree. I think this is really going to give the team a jolt. Um, having the coach back, um, I think this could really get light a fire under the team. They've addressed all the issues with him and with, you know, the fans and, of course, the media as well. And I think this could really give them a big boost going into the Big East tournament and, of course, going into the NCAA tournament as well. Um, I, they got to be one of the favorites to win in New York this coming week. Yeah, and I mean, so obviously I think they're up there as one of the favorites. Uh, you know, if it wasn't for injuries, Villanova would – definitely be arguably the favorite because I mean with Gillespie they probably would have beaten Providence uh and the same goes with Justin Moore who they lost um in the first half of that game um against the Friars uh but the trendy pick right now is UConn um you know how much that you know uh, how, how would I say this like they're the trendy pick and they've been playing the best out of most everyone in the Big East Conference uh overall though um is that kind of attention deserved with this team or do you think there might be a little too much hype surrounding them? No, I think they definitely deserve that kind of attention with book Knight, They're a completely different team. Um, they've, you've seen how well they played with him as compared to what they played without him. So I think this team, this, the sky's the limit. Uh, I think they can, I don't think they're going to make a run uh, reminiscent of uh, when they had Kevin Walker in 2014, but I think they can, I think they can get maybe Sweet 16, Elite Eight, and the NCAA tournament, and uh, you know, scare some people in the Big East tournament. Maybe even get to the championship game on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, the bottom half of the bracket is tough because I think the two best teams, you know, with the current rosters they have available right now, it UConn Creighton. If they meet in the semifinals, I think it would be fair to say that would be like the de facto championship game. I agree. Yeah. The top half of the bracket, though. I, if you're St. John's with the way you've been playing and the fact that you're getting Pasha Alexander back from injury, literally you have to be looking at this just really just breathing a sigh of relief because you got a Seton Hall team that has been collapsing. You get, and it, possibly you get Villanova in the semifinals and 
they're dealing with a lot of injury. I mean, they literally have almost a perfect path cut out for them to make the final. I agree. I mean, St. John's and they beat Villanova, if people remember, with a full squad about a month ago uh, in Karnaseka Arena. Um, of course, they lost the rematch, but I, I, I think St. John's is a team to watch out for. They got a lot of good players. Uh, Anderson's a great coach. Uh, he's really brought that team together this year. I, I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the championship game on Saturday as well. So, uh, speaking of Mike Anderson, do you think he deserves Big East Coach of the Year this year? Um, that's a tough one. I think if he doesn't get the award, I think he definitely deserves uh, consideration for it. He's got to be one of the top two or three uh, coaches. Um, if he doesn't get it, I'd say it's it's it's. It's, it's going to be a really close vote. I think he definitely deserves a lot of consideration for it. If he doesn't win, he'll probably finish second or third. I would, I would give him my vote, though. Uh, I would, too. I mean, considering where this team was, I think they were two and six in, in conference at one point. And, you know, starting with that win at UConn on MLK Day, they just really turned the corner in the right way. I mean, beating Villanova, it, it was obviously big. And then to win the last two games of the year without Posh Alexander, especially against Dean Hall going down 18 to nothing to start the game. Like I really do get the vibe that this is a lot like what happened last year where St. John's figured it out late in the year and were playing their best basketball. Um, You know, I really do believe that if you're St. John's, you got a really good path, obviously to make the Big East championship game. But I think if you're Mike Anderson, I think you've got to be telling your team, we can't be looking ahead one game at a time, get by Seton Hall first, and then worry about the rest later. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Uh, and any of these, as, as you know, in any of these tournaments, as well as the NCAA tournament upcoming next week, you can't always look ahead. You can't always think, oh, we're going to, if we win this game, when we win this game, we're going to play such and such or this team or that team. You got to just focus on the game ahead of you. One game at a time, you know, you know, it's, every game in the big East is like a war. So it's going to be tough <laughs> any night for them to beat, you know, any team in this conference. So we'll see what happens come, you know, come the first game against Seton Hall and how they do. And uh, speaking of Seton Hall, I feel like, you know, the way that this hype has been building up regarding St. John's and having this essentially a cookie cutter path to the championship game. Uh, and, you know, it's been publicized like, you know, Zach Braziller tweeting it and a couple other people as well. I feel like if you're Kevin Willard, you got to be looking at this and like saying, okay, this is bulletin board material. And, and this is what we've been looking for to actually motivate our guys. And, you know, like that fire underneath them that they've been lacking the last nearly three weeks. Yeah. I mean, this, I mean, it's now or never for Seton Hall, you know, that they, they have all the opportunity in the world to go out there and play their best games in the next, you know, couple of days in Madison Square Garden. And um, I don't know, I, I, I have to ask you, and I didn't confirm, are there going to be fans there? Any fans at all? Um, I believe, so there's no public sale of tickets, but okay. I think there is a certain allotment for each school. I think they're okay. like, pri- they're prioritizing family members of okay. coaches and players, but still fans in the building, even if it's just family, it's better than nothing. Better than nothing. I agree. Yeah. So, but you know, you're, you're basically, you know, you're playing St. John's on pretty much their de facto home court, you know, um, in the garden. And, you know, it's now or never for Seton Hall. It's, they got to get, you know, you know, they got to see if they can get this victory and then move on to the next round. We'll see if they can. Yeah. Would it be fair to say that you have to make at least the Big East championship game in order to like be considered for an at large bid? Or do you really think that like the only way they can get in is if they steal the automatic bid? 
I think if they make a big, big East championship game, they can be considered for an at-large. Um, usually that goes a long way. If you're, you're still going to win three games in three days and say you come up short in the championship game, and a lot of that can be attributed possibly to just being exhausted from, you know, playing three tough teams in the days previous. I think if they make it to the championship game, they can, they can get into the tournament. So a lot of things are going to shake out in the next, you know, six or seven days, with a lot of different conferences as well, where other bids might be open to, you know, to take depending on who wins and who loses. So. Yeah, and I feel like another one of those bubble teams that needs to prove themselves. Um, they unfortunately played themselves out of a first round bye, and that's Xavier. Uh, they're the seventh seed in this year's tournament, and you just can't help but get the vibe, kind of like last year where they lost their last two regular season games, fell down to the seventh seed in the biggest tournament, failed to get a bye, and then they were bounced in the first round, which ultimately – prevented them from getting an NCAA bid. Um, I, I, it kind of seems like deja vu and obviously the Xavier team, not the same without Nate Johnson. Uh, but what do you think they're going to have to do in order to make the NCAA tournament? Do you think they have to win only one game? Do they have to win two and make it to the semifinals? How much work do you think they have to do? I think, honestly, I think they're the same. They're in the same boat as Seton Hall. I think they have to win all three to get to the championship game on Saturday. <laughs> so um, they had, they faded down the stretch, like, just like you said, just like they did last year. And of course, last year they got eliminated early. So we'll see if they can, they can kind of uh, flip the switch and, and play much better come, you know, uh, excuse me, Wednesday night uh, and see if they could advance into the, you know, second and even third round of the tournament. Yeah. So, um, I mean, so, I feel like there's a couple sleeper teams in this tournament. And honestly, the with the way they're they've been playing and the fact that they could get they if they win, they get a hampered Villanova team. With the way they've been playing, I kind of like Marquette to, you know, turn some heads and possibly make the semifinals. Um, you know, how are you liking the Golden Eagles and maybe some of these other teams that like maybe like a Providence even that might be flying under the radar? Yeah, Marquette is a very interesting team. They're more like a Jekyll and Hyde team. Um, if you saw them play North Carolina, you'd think they were ranked in the top 10 to 15 all season. Um, but then you've seen them on other nights during the season, and you're kind of just scratching your head. You just don't know what team's going to show up. Uh, if, they're, if the right team does show up, yeah, I could definitely could see them making a run in the Big East tournament. Um, Providence, Providence, you don't know. As I think it's another team you don't know as well because they did beat a depleted uh, Villanova squad barely this past weekend. Uh, they hung on for the victory, but I just don't think, I don't know what you're going to get with them either. I think it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's like a lot of teams this year. I think the coronavirus pandemic has really altered things with, in terms of if they're being on pauses or not on pauses, but also, you know, kind of messed up team chemistry, you know, in my, my opinion. And I think some of the, some teams like that, you just don't, there's a bunch of teams I can name around the country. Just some teams just don't, you never know what you're going to get on a given night. So they could go one way and, and have a bad outing and lose by 20 points or they could, you know, go on a deep run in the Big East tournament. You just don't know what you're going to get. I feel like with Providence, I mean, I think they'll obviously get by DePaul in round one, but you in the in the quarterfinals, you, they're going to run into the the buzzsaw that is UConn. I mean, I mean, the way they've been playing down the stretch, I I, I would argue they are probably a semifinal team, but with that bracket, I mean. It, it would stink seeing Providence run into a UConn team that is the hottest in the conference right now. Uh, but, you know, overall, you know, out of the, you know, those contenders, Creighton and UConn, particularly, you know, 
who would you say, I, I guess, between those two that could really have the highest ceiling in terms of how much they can improve their tournament seeding this week? Um, I'd have to say UConn. If UConn could win the tournament, I think they could improve their seeding in the, in the NCAA tournament drastically. Um, they're, they're playing that well now. Um, of course, they're going to have to go out. They're going to have to go out there and, and take care of business. But I think they can. I think the committee is going to give a hard look at them too and realize that with book night out, you know, they're going to kind of take that into consideration. And, and if they can win the tournament this weekend, that's going to give them a giant boost uh, in the final in the final committees in, in the eyes of the committee when the final um, bracket comes out on Sunday. Gotcha. Now with now with Creighton, if they win the Big East tournament, do they get a top four seed? Yeah, I think they get either a three or a four. Um, it, it, it's, it's all that's going to depend, I think, too, on what happens in some of the other tournaments this coming weekend and how, how teams, um, you know, fall by the wayside or improve their stock. Uh, the Big 12 is going to be a big factor because there's seven teams, I think, still ranked in the top 25. So that's going to shake out a lot in the Big 12 tournament in the coming week um, as, to, as to what's going to happen there. So I think that's going to, that's going to, of course, Creighton seeing how they do in the biggest tournament course as well, but also that conference uh, somewhat the ACC a little bit, maybe, and the big 10 big 10 is probably the other factor uh, as well as the big 12 uh, as to who's going to, who's going to give them a booster. They're going to f- fall up or down depending on how they do. And of course, how those other teams do as well. All right. Now. Uh, so earlier this week, uh, the Big East announced their all conference teams, uh, the first and second teams, as well as the all freshman team, uh, so they have yet to announce the player of the year, freshman of the year, and coach of the year. Uh, so let's start with this all-freshman team. The five that were named, Chuck Harris from Butler, Adama Sonogo from UConn, Dawson Garcia from Marquette, um, Pasha Alexander from St. John's, Colby Jones from Xavier. Um, I, I, I mean, if we're being real here, freshman of the year is going to be decided between Dawson Garcia and Pasha Alexander. Uh, who do you give the edge to? between those two uh, to get freshman of the year? I'd say Posh Alexander for St. John's. I think he's definitely played, had a great season, served the award. Um, I, I would definitely give it to him. All right. Uh, I will say, though, um, I mean, I talked about this with Jahens Maniga um, yesterday, and in a way, I think Ryan Kalkbrenner might have been snubbed for the freshman team. Uh, Colby Jones was, it would probably be the one I'd have to swipe out, but Kalkbrenner is just the, he's just a really solid seven footer for Creighton. I mean, he, he actually gives that height element that Creighton teams have lacked in the past. Uh, but those are my two cents, but we talked about this before going on the air, the all biggies teams, I, I think they got them right, uh, for the most part and for biggies player of the year. Man, that is about as tight a race as you can possibly get. I, I think it's even tighter than last year and, you know, in past years as well. Um, out of the players that were named first team between Booknight, Zigorowski, Mamu, Champagny, Gillespie, and Robinson Earl, who would you give uh, your player of the year to? I give it to Gillespie because I think it showed – in the couple games he's missed so far, how much he means to that team um, and how important he is to Villanova and was this season, this entire season. So I, I from watching him play and watching that team play and how much they gelled with him, I, I'd give the award to him. All right. You know, I would say Mamu, but uh, like, I don't know. I think it's between, 
for some reason, too, I, I think Robinson Earl's right up there, too, because the last stretch of the season, I mean, he's been racking up double-double after double-double. Um, so, again, I can't really make a prediction. It, it's, <laughs> it's way too close to call. I mean, it's even closer than picking between Miles Powell and Marcus Howard last year. Yeah. But, uh, and we were also talking about this, too, before going on the air. The coach of the year race is awfully tricky. Um, I think the, I think it's fair to say, I think three coaches are probably at the top of the list. Uh, Jay Wright by default, because he did win the regular season title. Um, Mike Anderson, because of taking a team that was projected to finish ninth and getting them to finish as the four seed. And I think that third option, a bit of a dark horse because of how they finished was Danny Hurley. Uh, I feel like it would be something for Danny Hurley a Seton Hall alum bringing UConn back to the Big East and in his first year winning Big East Coach of the Year. I think that would be one heck of a storyline. Yeah, that definitely would. Um, I, I, I'd almost have to, like, flip a coin to my vote between um, Hurley and um, Mike Anderson. I, I'd really – that would be really tough for me to decide who would, be, who would be my choice Coach of the Year. It would be one of the two of them. The fact that St. John's did so well, they were, they were like you said, picked pre- preseason ninth, they finished fourth, and UConn has really come on so strong in the last couple of weeks. Um, it's, it's almost to me like a coin flip between the two of them for coach of the year. And I think no disrespect to Jay Wright. I think a lot of it, he wouldn't get, he won't maybe garner the votes just because you, uh, well, Villanova was expected of course to do well this year. And of course they always are in the last several years since they won the national back the two out of three national championships. But I think that's going to hurt him more than help him in a normal season. And this is a normal season, but any season, the fact that Jay Wright would always be like, like expected to have a great team and finish at the top of the conference. So yeah, no, I get that. I mean, for me, Danny Hurley made a bit of a push, but I'm probably going to have to give it to Mike Anderson because of the fact that look at where this team was around MLK Day and look at where they ended up. I mean, I just think it's admirable. What, and it was really funny that, you know, around this time two years ago, it was, you know, there was a lot of question questioning regarding the hiring of Mike Anderson, you know, they're like, is it the right fit? But in two years, he's proved a lot of people wrong on that. Yeah, I agree. He definitely has. So ultimately I think St. John's being in the garden, considering they were at Carneseca all year, I think them being in the garden as one of the trendy favorites in the Big East tournament, I really do think, uh, I mean, that has to be one of the big storylines, but um, what other, you know, major storylines heading into the Big East tournament um, are you looking forward to the most? Um, I guess to see how Villanova rebounds and how they play um, without Gillespie, of course, now going forward, of course, they didn't have him the last several games and now without Justin Moore as well, because assuming he's not going to play at all in the Big East tournament and maybe not even the NCAA tournament. So that's going to be very interesting to see. Um, as well as how Creighton adapts now back with Greg McDermott for when he didn't coach the last game and see how the team comes back together, see if they can make a strong run and win the tournament or if they possibly get eliminated in the first or second game. All right. You know, whenever it comes to the Big East tournament, you know, storylines, narratives, I mean, literally we're in the city that never sleeps, not too far away from Broadway. And, you know, there's, you know, the theater and the stage that is Madison square garden, you know, I mean, there's nothing like it. And, you know, this conference has been providing those 
and the drama um, with this conference tournament now for well over 40 years. And, you know, I know this is a down year in the Big East. It's arguably the worst it's been since realignment, but yet here we are still intrigued to see what's going to happen. And I think, I think you'll agree with me on this. I think the return of UConn and how well they've done is what's making this still so intriguing, even in a down year. No, I agree. Yeah. I mean, UConn's really given a boost to the conference. I mean, they wouldn't be having, I mean, of course, like you said, down year and of course the COVID pandemic, but they've really given a kickback to the conference they've needed. And it's going to be interesting to see how they do going forward. Cause I know they got a lot of top recruits coming in next year. I think Dan, Dan Harrell, he's got a two year extension just recently announced. They're not going anywhere for a long time. They're going to be back in the top of the rankings very soon. Yeah. And Danny Hurley said, you know, last uh, in January of last year, you know, it's coming and it's fair to say that they've come. Now it's a matter of, you know, now that they've arrived as a matter of staying and we're going to find out this week, if they're here to stay, uh, Steve, uh, appreciate the time um, and the insight as well. And um, you know, um, definitely look forward to seeing how, um, how this tournament pans out and you know, if, uh, your predictions is, and mine as well come true. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Got my biggest tournament picks for the entire tournament coming up after this. All right. Without further ado, here are my full Big East tournament picks. Now, as things change throughout the tournament, um, I'll be updating my picks going day by day. But I'll tell you, my first round picks, they are going to stand um, as they as they are. Um, so, uh, let's just start with the first round starting at three o'clock, ninth seed in Marquette taking on eight seed Georgetown, uh, Georgetown, who was the consensus last place pick in the Big East in the preseason. They turned some heads, you know, coming out of a three week COVID pause, you know, at the time of their last game, they were just one and five in conference three and eight overall. And to close out the season, uh, in their last 10 games, they went 6-4. and four. That included wins over Providence, Seton Hall, and they also went on the road and beat Creighton in Omaha. And they also had a road win over DePaul in Chicago as well, and a home win over Xavier. Meanwhile, Marquette, they're trending upward as they've won four of their last five games. During this stretch, they won at Butler, at North Carolina, at DePaul, and then they beat Xavier in their most recent game on senior night on Saturday. They only met once in the regular season. Marquette came from 18 down to beat Georgetown 64-60 to in our nation's capital, but that was all the way back on January the 2nd. So it's been a long time since these two teams met. And historically, the Golden Eagles have won three in a row against Georgetown, and I'm pretty sure um, they've won, if I'm not mistaken, six of the last seven meetings. And this will be their first meeting in the Big East tournament since realignment. And just with the way that Marquette's playing, and I just think they're the more talented team, I'm going with Marquette uh, to beat Georgetown. Um, I think they're going to win possibly by 12. 
I think Marquette will do enough to pull away and win by that margin. Uh, so moving on to the next game at six with Butler Xavier. This is the third time these two teams will be meeting um, in the Big East tournament. They met in the quarterfinals of both 2015 and 2017. Both really good games and both games won by Xavier as the underdog. Xavier was the sixth seed beating third seed to Butler in 15. And then in 17, it was seventh seed Xavier upsetting second seeded Butler. Xavier swept the regular season series 68-55 in Hinkle. And then at the Cintas Center, they won 63-51. And with Butler, they've been hampered by injuries all year long. Aaron Thompson has missed significant time. Bryce Enzi got hurt in the Creighton game. And Bo Hodges, we don't know if we're going to get him or not. But it seems like everything is going to be working against Butler and favoring Xavier. Now, Xavier, they have been trending downward. Uh, they were 4-2 and two in conference play and 11-2 and two overall on February 13th. And since then, they have lost five of their last seven. Their only wins... At home against Butler and home against Creighton. Now that Creighton win definitely helps serve uh, the Musketeers NCAA tournament hopes. As does that win they got back in December against Oklahoma. But Oklahoma, they've fallen off a little bit. Uh, they actually couldn't get a first round bye in the Big 12 tournament. They're going to be playing Wednesday night in first round action against Iowa State. And... A loss to the Cyclones who went winless in Big 12 play. It's just going to make Xavier look even worse. So Xavier, they're the last team in according to Joe Lenardi. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think they're in. As of right now, I think only three Big East teams are in. Villanova and Creighton are the obvious. And then, of course, UConn. They are the three that are absolutely in. Uh, Seton Hall and Xavier... And St. John's, I think they are all kind of lumped in that same category of being out. Also, I'm kind of surprised Seton Hall is on the next four out, according to Lenardi, behind Memphis. Nah, I don't really understand it, but, you know, what do I know? But Xavier, in order to keep their tournament hopes alive, you can't avoid, you have to avoid a bad loss against Butler. And I think they will. But Butler, knowing how this team fights and how it's a next man up, up uh, mentality with Chuck Harris, Miles Tate, Bryce Golden, Jair Bolden, they're going to step up to the plate in this game. But I think Xavier will do enough to pull away. I think Xavier only wins by seven. And then uh, the other game, the late game, DePaul Providence. Providence swept the regular season series. They won in double overtime back in late December, 95 to 90. And then in Chicago in a defensive battle, Friars won 57 to 47. So they have swept DePaul two years in a row. I mean, DePaul had a very bad season. Um, in conference play, they went just 2-13. and 13. Both of their wins came on the road, so they went winless at home, which is the first time a team has done that since realignment. Meanwhile, Providence, they have been trending upward. They have actually won uh, two of their last three, 
And actually, you know, this team was 5-8 and eight after losing back-to-back home games to Seton Hall and St. John's and also losing at Georgetown as part of a three-game losing streak. So this team has won four of their last six. I really do like Providence winning, but don't be surprised DePaul puts up a fight. I actually only have Providence winning by four. As shocking as it sounds, like, DePaul... They know how to play uh, Providence well. I mean, they took them to the limit and arguably should have won in Providence. But unfortunately, they didn't. So I'm going with Providence, but again, don't be surprised if DePaul makes it a game. Into the quarterfinals, Marquette Villanova. Villanova dominated Marquette in the regular season. They won by 17 in Milwaukee, and then they won by 32 at Thinneran Pavilion. And this Villanova team, they are hampered by injuries horribly. We all know Colin Gillespie's out indefinitely uh, because of that torn MCL. And then Justin Moore, according to Jay Wright, he has suffered a pretty major ankle sprain and he is doubtful for the Big East tournament. So that's your starting backcourt depleted right there. Two-thirds of that. All you got left, Caleb Daniels, Brian Antoine, and Chris Archidiakono. So, as far as I'm concerned, this team is in trouble. And, honestly, I'm taking Marquette, upsetting Villanova. Last year, as a 9-seed, St. John's was trending towards upsetting top-seeded Creighton, who... Strangely enough, was missing their starting point guard due to injury. I get, you know, history likes to repeat itself in sports. And I really see that narrative playing out here with this Marquette Villanova matchup. And I really do believe Marquette's going to win. I think I think they end up winning by 5. You know, they're going to make enough plays down the stretch. Uh, to win, and they're going to get a couple free throws late to make it a five-point game, and that will that's what will be the you know the final margin. In the five-four game, Seton Hall St. John's, St. John's Seton Hall, they split the regular season. Seton Hall won the conference opener back on December eleventh, seventy-seven sixty-eight, and in their most recent meeting just on Saturday, St. John's trailed eighteen to nothing, and then once they took a forty-seven forty-six lead, they never looked back and never trailed again. And they pulled away to win 81-71 to uh, clinch a first-round bye and eventually get that coveted number four seed in the Big East tournament. And again, this is their second meeting in less than a week. Seton Hall at the Garden since realignment against St. John's. They're 3-2. and two. Uh, But their three wins have all been close. They won by just one in 2016. They won an overtime in 2018, and then it was a three-point win last year at the Garden, a game in which Miles Powell scored his 2,000th career point and just went off. So I think the big narrative here is whoever loses this game, their NCAA tournament hopes are buried right then and there. So now the question is, who's going to bring the shovel for the other? And as far as I'm concerned, Seton Hall has kind of dug their grave, their own grave, with the way they played the last, really, 
six games because they barely got by Marquette and they barely got by DePaul. And with the way they played, I mean, if either of those teams played just a little bit better, they would have lost both games. So instead of a four-game losing streak, we would have been talking about a six-game losing streak. And the big thing is, like I said, Seton Hall's been beating themselves. And, you know, I can kind of see the writing on the wall. This is kind of like what happened in 2015 with this group, except, you know, they had the entire second half where they were just falling apart. And they also had all this controversy off the court uh, with apparently this clash between the freshmen and the upperclassmen. Uh, Obviously, that isn't the case this time around. But here's the thing. If you're Kevin Willard and you've been seeing all these tweets about, you know, St. John's has this perfect cutout path to the championship game. You got to be using that as bulletin board material because if I'm seeing that, I'm what I'm seeing is that the media is giving my team no shot in this game. And that's motivation. But here's the thing. They should already be motivated enough to want to play their best basketball right now because they know that their season's on the line. If they lose Thursday, they're done, period. But if they make a run to the Big East Championship game and get a little bit of help along the way from other bubble teams losing, like Xavier, like out in the Mountain West with Colorado State, Boise State, and Utah State, that could help them. But they have to control their own destiny. And they had the chance to do that over the last four games, and they failed to do so. While they still have a lot of work to do, it's still not too late. However, with St. John's getting Pasha Alexander back, I think this is just a bad, bad setup for Seton Hall. And I kind of blame the PTSD in me from you know my experience in 2015 as a freshman, watching that team fall apart, and of course in the Big East Tournament, You know, they got their asses handed to them by Marquette in that first-round matchup. Uh, This is different, though, in a quarterfinal game where, you know, you kind of knew with the 2015 team that, you know, after Valentine's Day, their tournament hopes were were shot with no chance of saving it. Seton Hall still has a chance heading into the Big East tournament to make it, even if they don't win the whole thing. But... I still got St. John's winning. I think Seton Hall will end up beating themselves yet again uh, with the way that they have been playing and and just how poorly they played in the second halves. You know, they beat themselves. And I I think that is a huge red flag. And I think that opens the door for St. John's to win. So I'm taking St. John's probably by 10 again. In the night session... Xavier Creighton, these two teams split the regular season series. Creighton won 66-61 on December 23rd. And then on February 27th in Cincinnati on Xavier Senior Day, Xavier won 77-69. Now, the big news, Greg McDermott is back on the sidelines for Creighton. Now the question is, how much of an effect will it have on the Blue Jays? Will it help them? Will it hurt them? 
As far as I'm concerned, if the players really wanted him back, it's going to help them. And I think with Xavier, yes, they'll get by Butler, but I just don't think they're going to have enough to get by Creighton a third time in, in the third game. Um, especially without Nate Johnson, who provided such a spark for them on the perimeter, knocking down threes almost at will at times. Uh, I just really think Creighton is in the best position to win this game. And as a matter of fact, I got them winning by 13. So the other two meetings were fairly close, but I think Creighton is going to pull away and win this one again. I got them winning by 13. Providence and UConn. This is an interesting game. Um, Providence and UConn split the regular season meetings. There is that New England regional rivalry between these two, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch this play out in Madison Square Garden. Providence won 70-59 in Alumni Hall, and then their most recent meeting, February 16th, James Booknight's first game back. It made a difference as UConn went on to win 73-61, and Booknight was really impressive in that first game back, and he's provided a major spark for the Huskies. They're arguably the the hottest team heading into the Big East tournament, as since Booknight's return, they have won five of six, with their only loss coming at Villanova. Uh, so I think it's a no-brainer. UConn wins, but I think Providence is going to make it a ball game. They know how to hang tight with the Huskies. Uh, I got UConn winning, but I only got them winning by seven. Uh, and I know Providence has been playing awfully well the last couple of weeks. You know they've won four of six ever since that three-game losing streak. Uh, but I mean, even with David Duke and Nate Watson, I just don't think it's going to be enough. To take down Book Knight, RJ Cole, Tyrese Martin, Isaiah Whaley. I just don't think it's gonna they're gonna have enough in the tank to do it. In the semifinals, Marquette St. John's. Uh, this is actually gonna be their th- third meeting in the Big East tournament all time. Marquette won both meetings in 2016 in the first round and then in 2019 in the quarterfinals. And uh, it was a tight game in 16, but 19, Marquette won by 32. This is completely different this time around. Both games were decided by just two points. Marquette won 73-71 at Carneseca. And then in Milwaukee, St. John's won by two also, 75-73. to And that was when St. John's was just on fire. I think it's going to be another grinded out type game. I I really see it that way. And I I think Marquette is going to hang tight. I mean, I think if you look on paper, this is an even matchup. It'll be interesting to see the two best freshmen in the Big East face off again, Dawson Garcia and Pasha Alexander. But I got St. John's winning by two. In the semifinals, I really think Marquette is going to take the fight to them. They've been playing well. But in the Garden, St. John's' second home court, I think St. John's is going to move on to the Big East Championship game. And this will be their first title game appearance in over 20 years. The last time they made it, you got to go back to 2000 when they had Eric Barkley. So, 
in the other semifinal game, UConn Creighton. Creighton swept the regular season series. They won 76-74 in overtime on December 20th in stores. And then in Omaha, without book night, Creighton won 74-66. I think this is going to be a really tight ball game. Book night is going to make a difference. But I don't know. I know UConn's the trendy pick. And I think because they're such a popular pick, that's why I'm kind of leaning against picking UConn. I think Creighton's a better matchup with them. And now that they can just breathe, get the controversy out of the way that happened, you know, last week, they can breathe and play basketball again. And I think that's going to allow Creighton to win. And I got Creighton winning by two. That's my prediction. And honestly, I would not be surprised if this game ends up being a track beat. Like, if it's in the mid to high 80s, again, I wouldn't be shocked. But the average score in the regular season was 75-70 Creighton. So if it's that kind of game, I also wouldn't be surprised by that. But be on the lookout if those teams collide and it ends collide and they, it ends up being a shootout. So give me Creighton by two. Now the championship game, St. John's and Creighton. Creighton smacked St. John's by 18 in both regular season meetings. And I really think this is, would be such a poetic championship matchup because of what happened last year in the Garden. These two teams met in the first quarterfinal game that was unfortunately canceled at halftime. That was a really good half of basketball. I mean, obviously the circumstances are going to be different. You're not going to see Jet Canfield showing up and turning into an overnight sensation by playing a monster first half. You know, Zigorowski is going to be available unless he somehow gets hurt, which, you know, God forbid, I would not want to see that happen. But uh, given Creighton and how well they match up with St. John's, I think Creighton ends up winning the Big East Championship, which would be their first in-program history. Uh, third time would be the charm, charm for Greg McDermott as he lost the championship game in 2014 and 2017. Uh, give me Creighton over St. John's, and I think they win by five. It's going to be much different. Uh, St. John's will match up tighter with them this time around, especially because it's in the garden. But give me Creighton by five. Uh, so that's my full bracket prediction. Uh, but again, you know, as the bracket changes, and if I end up getting some picks wrong, uh, you know, I'll change my flow based on you know how things play out in the tournament. So, uh, that's a wrap. Uh, actually, uh, before I go, uh, I'm just going to make some uh, Big East uh, Player of the Year and uh, Freshman of the Year predictions as well as Coach of the Year. Um, so, uh, here's what I'm going to go with. Player of the Year, I'm going to go Mamu. You know, I, some talent, it's just a gut feeling at this point. I know Jeremiah Robinson Earl... Um, you, you know, he's the trendy pick because of Villanova's team success winning the regular season title. But, you know, you just see how much of a difference Mamu makes. Uh, with the Seton Hall team, he does so much. He, and, like, he really is, you know, a double-double threat, obviously. But he can threaten to get a triple-double really any time. Uh, he hasn't really been playing up to that level lately, but... Because he had been doing that for most of the season, 
that's why I'm going to pick Mamu. And then on the freshman of the year side, I'm I'm going to go with Dawson Garcia still. I know St. John's is gonna, fans are going to come at me like, oh, Posh is more deserving. Listen, I get it. But uh, I just think Dawson Garcia's body work is just slightly better. Uh, because there has been inconsistencies with Posh Alexander. But for Dawson Garcia, I think he's been steady for most of the season. I think that's what gives him a slight edge for me. Uh, so give me Dawson Garcia. He was my pick in the preseason, sticking with him in March. And then coach of the year, Danny Hurley makes a bit of a push. But to me, I, I still think it's without question, I am going to go with Mike Anderson. I think he's the most deserving of this, considering where his team was around MLK Day this year. They were two and six in conference, seven and seven overall, and then starting with that win at UConn, that just propelled them uh, down the stretch. You know, beating Villanova at home, you know, getting two big wins over Providence and Seton Hall to close out the regular season. The fact that St. John's is here, still in position to make. The NCAA tournament, it speaks to the volumes of how good of a coach Mike Anderson is and where they were picked to finish in the preseason in ninth. And it's crazy that, you know, so many people were questioning the hire at the beginning of this, um, you know, when he was hired two years ago. But yet here he is, you know, he was going to take him to the NIT last year. And then, Obviously, um, you know, now he's got themselves in a position to make the NCAA tournament. If they, you know, make a run here in the Big East tournament uh, to the championship game, should get them in. Uh, and winning it will obviously lock them in, no doubt about it, because of that automatic qualifier uh, scenario. So I- I'm going to go with Mike Anderson uh, as my coach of the year. So now that's a wrap on this episode of the Igloo. Uh, Get ready for uh, tomorrow. I will have uh, some uh, quick pregame coverage. Hopefully, I'll be able to get a guest on, you know, to talk uh, some of the first-round matchups and some of the storylines heading into uh, the opening-round triple header on Wednesday. Again, that starts at 3 o'clock with Marquette Georgetown. That will be followed up at 6 o'clock with Butler and Xavier. And then at 9 o'clock, the late game, it'll be DePaul versus Providence. So thank you again for tuning in. Uh, Thanks to Steve Heigl for coming on to provide his insight on the individual awards and, of course, the tournament itself. And uh, until tomorrow, this is Timmy I signing off from the Igloo. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll catch you all tomorrow.